Welcome to Couch Crashers. This is Jim. I'm Gonzo. Joe's sick. He's not here. Hey, so you remember that time that I asked you what key and what chords were in the theme song? Yeah. And you said you don't know? I don't know. So it's in the key of, uh, I think E, that's what a guitar is tuned to in the first place, right? Yep. And that's a C. It goes C, and then I think the low one there was a G. Probably. Um, I, I looked at it earlier again mm-hmm. for no particular reason i'm just i was just playing around with some software and shit and i kind of figured that one out but it's mm-hmm. it makes sense now that i think about it that you just picked up a guitar and and, right. and fiddled around on it i did actually i did, I did the uh, the baseline on a bass on electric bass and was monkeying around with it but then... but it was a real physical bass yeah which that that's tuned i believe that they're tuned to be in the same key as a guitar. Oh, uh, first four tuning. strings, yeah. Yeah, standard tuning. Just, just because... And I'm pretty sure I did it in standard tuning as well. I so. think it's just because that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been watching a couple of videos. And I've talked about... Uh, you're, you're wearing a Labyrinth shirt right now. So I am. Speaking of Labyrinth, I've talked about my friend Jareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and their, bro- their, their sibling, Corey. Mm-hmm. Who they do the 12 Tones videos on YouTube. Right. So that combined with a couple other things, I've been figuring a little bit of music theory out just because it interested me. You know how I am. I do. The listeners know how I am. They do. I, I have uh, random interests that pop up. I'll be fascinated for a week, maybe two, and I'll move on to something else. This is also true. Um, so I, I was figuring out a little bit of that, and I, I was talking to Jareth specifically. And they were saying um, that they get some pushback on the episodes a lot mm-hmm. of the times because, well, for instance, uh, they there there was a video post up not that long ago that was understanding Nirvana's heart shaped box. Okay. And it goes into it and it breaks down the chord progressions, the chord choices, the mm-hmm. key choices, uh, the themes and the repetition and sort of just kind of breaks it down and gets into it okay and, and one of the things that that stood out there too i could all i could kind of tell that Corey has a has a bit of a bone to pick with some people on this because it, um the video goes into like well how would kurt have known that these chords make you know are evoke these emotions well, because it's part of the common language that music uses, mm-hmm. that these chords feel this way. And mm-hmm. he didn't sit down and say, I want it to feel this way, so I use these chords. He sat down, made music, wanting to feel that way, and instinctively picked the chord. Or was feeling that way whilst he was making music, and yeah, just instinctively it's put like, together the progression. It's yeah. like you can tell, though, that there's a bit of a bone to pick. And, and uh, it, it was, I was illuminated when I was talking to Jareth about it, that actually it turns out that most of the time the people who come in and start going, no, well, he just played music that sounded good. That tends to be the guitarists. As opposed to uh, the synth people, people that use synths. Mm-hmm. And this makes a lot of sense to me, who are generally much more understanding and, oh, cool, about all of this info instead of just... You know, it just sounds good. Why does it have to... Why? Why? Well, 
And it occurred to me that yeah, but if you don't like that, don't don't watch that video. The purpose of that video are are you familiar with YouTube? Joe? I know, but still, it's like the purpose of that video is to do exactly what they're doing. But so I can understand though why why you get the the why the the line is drawn between these two halves because on sure. the one hand, people that work with synths have to understand a lot more like the reason and the why of sound in general because with a synth you know the pretty much all synths are just you make a wave and then you have to tweak it and distort it and add the shape because because a sine wave doesn't sound pretty so they have to build on that and then you know keyboard players in general having that having that entire like chromatic scale in Mm -hmm. front of you as opposed to, well, a guitar is tuned to be in a key. It is. And so you, I'm not saying that you can't play it chromatically, because you sure as fuck can. Oh, well, you can, but that's, it's... That's just how, you can, you can do it, but, but it's yeah. tuned to be in a key. It's tuned to be in a key, and therefore there are very specific scales that and are like, readily available and on a fretboard. Yeah. If I'm understanding it right, you know, a lot of the fingering patterns are designed to produce certain chords sure. in that well, and, of course, and you know yeah. so it seems to me like and i don't mean to shit on guitarists or keyboard or, or anybody mm-hmm. that makes music because i still frankly don't understand okay. how music becomes made mm-hmm. um but it, it just seems to me like and again no offense to anyone it's kind of easy well it's easier to sit down with a guitar and as long as you know, I think what, like, I played it with ukulele very briefly, and I think on that, like, a B-flat can sort of be slid up and down the neck, and you get variations on that sound pretty good. So it seems oh, yeah, like, you, you, very, very common with the guitar, yeah. I like, mean, I, you can sit down... I've with, written whole songs with the same chord pattern just up and down the, the, the fretboard. So it seems to me like a, a guitar, due to the fact that it's tuned mm-hmm. a very specific way, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, it's easy to sit down and make music what sounds good, or at least music that goes and seems consistent, Yeah. as opposed to sitting in front of a keyboard. Because like, if, well, you... if you sit down at a keyboard... And you don't know it, and you, you know, you kind of get, you can very easily create the bad dissonant sounds. Like oh, sure. If I just hit two keys immediately next to each other, mm-hmm. that's probably not going to sound great. Just yes. two straight next to each other. Yeah. Um, of course, it also depends on the two keys, though. Yeah. And, I mean, that's different, too, because mm-hmm. uh, throughout history, there are had been any number of tunings of a piano sure. in the first place. I was so happy, though, um, that I had asked Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had asked Jason a while ago. Uh, and he gave me an explanation because going through the breakdown of Heart-Shaped Box, okay, uh, the video goes into subtle changes and they said um that what was it it was i think it was a a c flat they said c flat i don't think you can have a c you flat can like that. you you can 
but it's peculiar to it, it's not on a piano because pianos think about it your strings are tuned a certain way mm-hmm. and you can only hit the intervals that are there right on a stringed instrument <coughs> you can bend up sure from uh from sure a b can. to a c yep and, and if anywhere you, if in you between. stop halfway through that you're stopping on a on a c flat mm-hmm. because it, it's the it's defined as just the semitone between B and C. B and C, sure. So I had asked Jason about this one day because I had heard, you know, the Simpsons has that episode where uh, Homer's in a barbershop quartet. They call themselves the B-sharps because it's a, it's a clever pun and everything. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about double flats and everything else. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, which, you know... It, if your exposure to to the idea of a scale comes from just a straight piano keys, the idea of a double sharp or a double flat could throw you... Because wouldn't that just be a whole step? Right. Well, on a keyboard, yeah. But there is a technical subtle difference between it because... I mean, you're, if, you're going from a, if you're going from a B to a C on a guitar and you're bending from a B to a C, it definitely has... I mean, is does it end up being the same note? Yeah, kind of. But there's definitely a, a difference. There's definitely a difference. But so it's it's just because you can dynamically change that. Tension. I should go get my guitar and, and you, you can you demonstrate can change yeah. that tension to to pass through the range yeah. going up to it. And you could stop at the C. You could stop anywhere in between. You could overshoot it even. I would assume not having ever really played a guitar. I think you can do that. It makes sense to me. Well, I'll tell you, in my in reference to heart shaped box, and with my rather intimate re- familiarity with, I remember what it is with and, Nirvana. And actually, I believe it's mm-hmm. Kurt sings just slightly off key at a point. He doesn't have a choice. But like he sings <laughs> off key at at a point mm-hmm. where I, I think the vocals hit a a uh, C flat. Okay. And it's just because of Kurt, really, but it mm-hmm. it lends itself to so to the overall feel what, in the first place. What I would say is... It's I, a little bit of dissonance. Yeah, I feel like they may... Be, if they're attempting to determine the artist's intention... Oh, no. no okay, no. because I don't think Kurt ever thought about music that way. No. Um, well, I, th- I think that's... I think he's the type of guy... Who felt bad and punched his guitar really hard until it, there was a song at the end of it? You know, like I, I feel like though that's part of the reason that this video in particular delved into. Well, did Kurt necessarily know that this chord progression sounds this way? No, but he understood how other music sounded mm-hmm. when it felt away. Yep. So he yep. drew from that common language. Um, now, if you want to talk about his lyrics, and we're not, we don't have to. If you want to talk about his lyrics. I think his lyrics were always extremely well thought out. Yeah, he was very lyrically expressive. Um, it was, I mean, he you know he was a fair guitar player, good songwriter, but his lyrics were were very invocative of very specific thoughts, emotions, and things like that. And the uh, the video goes into that a little bit too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically the the pattern and sort of the mm-hmm. 
the interpretive meaning behind the return back over and over again to, hey, wait, I've got a new complaint. But really, uh, I th- one of the points that was being being made here, too, was along with that, uh, you know, he says he's got a new complaint, but the song structure and everything comes back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it uh, evokes the feeling of, this isn't really a new complaint. This is the same complaint. Mm-hmm. He's just saying it again and again, which, you know, in the time period and what was going on in his life. And I mean, y'all know, everyone who's listening to this uh, is probably at least familiar with uh, Kurt Cobain, I would assume. Um, I would hope so. And I mean, if, if you've listened to our uh, conspiracy theory episodes, you you should be at least familiar with Courtney killed Kurt. You should be at least familiar with this time period in which Kurt was writing the song. Courtney's responsible for the death of her husband. Directly responsible. I there I said it. You, you said that before too. I know that, that's on there. I believe it. Um, I believe it to be true. But like Jim Morrison is alive. Elvis is not. Well, I think Jim Morrison's probably dead of old age at this point. Jim Morrison didn't die in Paris. Elvis okay. did. Elvis did die on the toilet. Okay, I'll give you that one because that's my favorite conspiracy theory is that uh, Jim Morrison didn't die. <laughs> he just but he, off. he is currently dead now. <laughs> I might not be. I that is Jim Morrison. Right. I don't think that uh, his chances of he living went, to twenty twenty. He, he went vegan and he quit drinking. Okay, so it's it's easier to believe I'm, it's easier to believe that he went vegan than he than it is to. He quit drinking. I'm pretty sure that there's not a great chance that Jim Morrison would be alive in 2020. Um, Neither would Elvis, by the way. Oh, no. No. I mean, that's the thing. Is Did they die when you were told that they did? Who knows? It really, They're dead now, certainly. Well, Elvis, Elvis just went back to his home planet. Right. Right. You know, that's all. He could still be alive. We don't know the, uh, the age of... of his his species um whereas david bowie his corporeal body did finally you know fulfill its purpose so that you know the 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 pure white light of greater ultimate intelligence that it housed was able to go and rejoin itself with the universe but so uh that's neither here nor there so I, I, I recommend if you're even tangentially interested in... And sadly, Prince died in an elevator. Yeah, well. <laughs> Poor bastard. But if, if you're interested in, at all in music theory or even just kind of getting into that discussion and thinking, thinking, you know, trying to get inside of the song and, and why does it feel this way when you hear it this way, you know... Uh, how do they find it? Let's plug check, it real quick. Check them out. Uh, just look it up on, on YouTube. What's it uh, called? 12 Tones. That's the number 12. One, two, tones. All one word. Uh, it's a very distinctive style of, of video. I don't know if you ever watched... I've forgotten her name already, but there was a, a YouTuber that did, like, sort of layman's explanations of math concepts. No, I did not. And so it's a very similar style. I wish I could remember that YouTuber's name. But where it's basically... The videos consist of... Um, they've got... Nice. They've got just some uh, staff 
paper out on, on, on a table. And while talking, there are little doodles that are made. Sometimes notes are laid down to give you an idea of where they're going. But a lot of times it's a lot of doodles of uh, little elephants attempting to understand and demonstrate different things. You know, it's, it's, I think that they're great videos. I recommend checking them out. Uh, again, that's 1-2-T-O-N-E-S on uh, on YouTube. They are not paying me for this. And in fact, no, you, we, we hadn't intended on plugging them anyway, sure. but that's okay. In fact, you know what? Glad to. I'll, huh? even, I'll, I'll let uh, Jareth know later on once we're done here. I'll, I'll say, plugged him, yeah. hey, man, you know, we, we, we plugged plug your YouTube channel because... It came Cause, up. Because this is just kind of what's been on my mind the last week or so is how do sound make? Why do sound feel? You know? Absolutely. So I'm going to go right to the news because seg- oh, there's a great segue there. Okay. You're talking about Jareth and then we talk about Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And although his contribution to Labyrinth is the very least, not very least, but is one of the lesser things that he was famous for. It could be uh, a lot of people's introduction to David Bowie as a no, person. No, I'm not talking about Bowie. I'm talking oh. about um, the fact that Terry Jones from Monty Python died today. Terry Jones, I did see that, yeah. Terry Jones wrote an early draft for Labyrinth. He was one of the writers for Labyrinth. But Terry Jones... Um, oh, oh, hold on. Thank you, Gonza. Um, Terry Jones... Uh, like any and all members of Monty Python, was a comedic genius. Um, that I get this out of the way right now, he was Welsh. The Welsh are scum. Yeah. Um, Did you know that, Jamie? Were you familiar with my opinions on the Welsh people? I don't think so. I'm of the firm belief that the Welsh are scum, I and I don't. Just, just heard that. Yeah. I don't 100% know why I feel that way. <laughs> I think it began as a joke, and I've just kept saying it. Actually, yeah, I don't know why I said it the first time. But I know the first time I said it was in World of Warcraft, which I have not played in... Sometime. Fuck, a decade at this point? Wow. I want to say... I, I could look that up and get you a more serious number, but I think about ten years, yeah. You still believe it to be so. But I was sitting in the guild chat one day. People are talking... And just out of nowhere, I said, the Welsh are scum. And I got such a negative reaction for that that I obviously latched onto it as a thing that I should say more often. Because that's just the kind of thing that I do. Well, Terry Jones, besides the fact that he was funny, um, he was also a skilled, you know, he was a skilled writer, performer, and he was a director. He directed... um, Really, I, I mean, he directed Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He directed Life of Brian. He directed The Meaning of Life. How many Monty Pythons are still alive? Um, of the original, I think there were six of them. Uh, there are four left. Okay, so still a majority. Yeah, so you originally had... Um, you had Terry Jones, um, John Cleese, Eric Idle... Uh, Graham Chapman, Michael Palin, and Terry Gilliams. That's six. And um, Graham Chapman died years and years and years ago, and now um, and now uh, Terry Jones has died. Morning, morning. What are you 
sausage and bacon, egg and spam, egg, bacon and spam, egg, bacon, sausage and spam, spam, bacon, sausage and spam, spam, egg, spam, spam, bacon and spam, 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 egg and spam, 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 baked beans, spam, spam, spam and spam, oh, lobster, thermidor, crevettes with a moulinet sauce, garnish with truffle, pate, brandy, and a pie, and a pot and spam. Um, there's a new trailer for The Clone Wars. The last season of The Clone Wars starts um, pretty soon on Disney+. Plus. Uh, definitely, you know, it's a really good trailer. So uh, I recommend it. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for... I'm hoping for good stuff from this season. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, my wife... The lovely Jamie just uh, hipped me to this. Um, on to another story. Okay. Dennis. Uh, er, Dennis was the I, character's name. I didn't know you were called Dennis. Uh, earlier today, uh, Patrick Stewart was on The View, which is a show uh, which also, st- which is one of the hosts is Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was today. I no, I'm looking at the article. Okay. It was today. Um and uh, he asked Whoopi Goldberg to come on to season two of the Picard show that he's doing. So and she says she of course said yes. So, well, she's guiding, right? Yeah. Oh, no, well, yeah, absolutely. So it's you know, I mean, there you go. That's very cool. And evidently, I have to watch the clip. Evidently, and it's just from what the article here says. By the way, looking at Gizmodo. Um, her emotional reaction suggests that it was probably a surprise. That he asked her right then and there. So there you go. Um, have you have you watched any episodes of that Picard show on CBS Access? I, I, I haven't. Not. I don't I have haven't. CBS. Access. Neither do I. I don't, yeah, but you're you're someone that's good at acquiring things if you want them. Yeah. So I don't know if you had acquired things. Can you acquire things for me? Probably. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, and finally, another obituary. Do one more, one more death here. Um, Terry Jones was Dennis's mother. I told you. Um, uh, we're gonna have another. Michael Palin was Dennis. Oh, okay. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a, a moment of silence for uh, PlayStation View. What? PlayStation View. It was their. Um, it was kind of their. Um, oh, VUE, right? VUE. Yeah. yeah okay. It, it was their uh, like uh, cable thing. Um, I had it for a little while, because um, it had, it was very robust, but it was very expensive, and no one bought it, because it was very expensive. Yeah, I remember seeing it on so, my PlayStation, yeah. like, home menu, yep. and always just kind of taking that icon and moving it yep. into some folder yep. somewhere where I didn't have to see it. <laughs> it's, um... It's done? Gone? It's done. It's gone. Good day. Rest in peace. Uh, it was literally fifty bucks a month, and it, you know, if you got premium stuff, it could be up to eighty-five dollars a month. Hey, how about I don't what, do that? Yeah. And what was the point of cutting the cord if I'm paying the same fucking amount, if yeah. not more? You know. So that was. So that was. Yeah. They should have at least offered you a discount if you were using like the PlayStation, PlayStation Plus. Network, if you're on the PlayStation, yeah. yeah. PlayStation Plus. But no, they didn't. They didn't. So. Because the way I see it, I'm already paying for <clears throat> PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. That that's all I need. So, if you have any ideas for news articles, no one ever sends us news articles, but if you no, wanted to send uh, us... That's not true. We got a couple. News articles? Really? Okay. Yeah, I remember that uh, I once 
got given a news article, and it was the news article about the, the, um, like, 20-something-year-old who, who used the hurricanes as an excuse to pretend to be a, uh, a high schooler so he could play on the basketball oh team. Oh my now. god, that was hysterical. That's right. I Someone did that, send us that. I remember that that was a, a news article that was given to me. And, and to be fair, Joe gives me news articles, but he's on the show. so Right, nice. Does that count? It, it, it still kind of counts, but... Well, I do distinctly remember one time a listener gave I know, me I agree. a news article. Well, if you want to give us a news article, you can uh, contact, contact us a bunch of ways. You get us on Gmail at uh, couchgrouches at gmail.com yeah, yeah. or on Twitter and Instagram at couchgrouches. Is that symbol. Or uh, facebook.com slash couchgrouches. Yeah. Um, any other way they can get in touch with us? Um, I, I don't know. I was going to... Too bad Vine's dead. Vine would have been like a... We would have made a mint on Vine. Like we, I, I, I don't us know would have been that. No, no, no. We could have done... Because you know what? It's like 15 seconds. Like Vine videos are hysterical. Yeah, but like I, I, I've seen the compilations of the people that went viral. I don't know that we were viral Vine material. Oh, my balls would have ended up on Vine or, or something like, like that. Like I would have done something desperate. Like... But I feel like we... That would have been a thing. I don't want... Don't don't use TikTok, people. It's owned by Tencent Media, and don't trust China. China is asshole. And now they've got a new killer flu virus, so that they're you know, so. Just... Yeah, let's all just continue to pretend like that wasn't cu- cooked up in their laboratories, designed and released solely to suppress the Hong Kong people. Is this conspiracy theories episode three? I don't know. I'm just making it up as I, I literally as I say it, but. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. So today's show is going to be interesting. Um, Gonzo has not yet finished The Mandalorian. I have not. He's got a couple episodes of The Mandalorian left to watch. So what we're going to do is we're going to watch the episodes, um, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to get Gonzo's impression of the series overall. I will give my impression of the series overall as well. I think Gonzo's going to be very happy with some of these later episodes. Yeah, do we got that EU? As they take some EU stuff and make right. it more canon. So, um, right. let's see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd like to also give my opinion on The Mandalorian. I just keep kicking this one Duplo block around. <laughs> yeah. It amuses me. <laughs> We're situated inside of the baby cage right now. Yeah, we are. Because are I've watched... Gone? I've watched as the baby cage has just gradually expanded to encompass more and more of the house. It's like you know that shortly you're going to be expanded to the point where you can't keep them out of the dining room. No, we need to start getting baby gates. It's just we haven't had a chance to yet. So, um, yeah, we have this like um, multicolored plastic baby octagon that actually it is eight panels, but it like stretches into different sh- shapes. And right now, um, I we sit on it. We're sitting on a um, on a an L-shaped couch, and um, the uh, cage is kind of strung between betwixt the two sides, leaving a nice little play area for him. It's just it, it's expanding, and yeah, it is getting bigger. Um, Can't keep a, him out of that dining room forever. No, it's not the dining room; it's a problem. It's the kitchen. He loves to go to the, he loves to crawl to the kitchen, and I don't keep my floor as clean as I should. So. All right. He's got that nice, healthy, a healthy toddler immune system now, though. I mean, he does, but I, mean, I don't. But you know what, though, I don't feel like testing it. 
Like, he's at that sweet spot where you toss him in China, the flu will get in him, and then it will be beaten. Yeah, and then they'll take him and drain all of his blood for the cure. Probably. Like he, like he was Wolverine, so... But, like, you know, he's yeah. got that super toddler immune system that's fueled mostly on his own snot. <laughs> he's not a very snotty baby, which is good. Like, he's a very he's a very slippery baby. Like drool and stuff yeah, like he, that. He gets, it's because his teeth are growing in all at once. He gets he 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 looks to be moist to the touch. Yeah, well, it's be, it's because he has his hands in his mouth all the time because literally his teeth grew in all at once. Well, it's really scary. So. You know what? That means he he's gonna be able to start getting that good food soon. Oh, he has been. He no, has but been. like that real good good food. Yeah. 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 Hey, when's he gonna have ice cream? Should give him ice cream. Okay, yet? so I would have given I would have given him ice cream like three days out of the womb, but somebody said no. I mean, I'm a terrible mother. He he yelled to Jamie in the other room. Oh, she's picking up. It sounds like uh, so. <laughs> you know, you never know. So um, yeah. So we'll be back. We're gonna watch the Mandalorian and still uh, give, give him ice cream now. Give us a nice coffee bean ice cream. Dude, that's how I got into coffee. That was how I got. That was the gateway drug for coffee for me. Like, I mean, I've been drinking coffee since I was fourteen Ooh, or years cherry old. Cherry Garcia, that's a good one. See, I've never been a fan of Cherry Garcia. I like Cherry Garcia. My it's favorite a flavor. My favorite Ben and Jerry's was retired a long time ago. It was very sad. It was called Dastardly Mash. I don't know that one. It was like Rocky Road, but it had like chocolate covered raisins and other stuff in it. It was really good. I like that Americone Dream. Americone Dream's dope. Um, Shit, what else? Uh, Now I'm just thinking about favorite ice cream. You want to know my favorite? Chocolate chip cookie dough goes down real well. Classic. Real well. You know what my favorite Ben and Jerry's is? What you got? The uh, cinnamon bun one. Yeah? So it's it's like a cinnamon vanilla ice cream with mini cinnamon buns, actual little curly okay. cinnamon buns, nestled in like much like the cookie dough. I mean, the thing it's is, it's fucking they, addictive. They've got, they've got some out there that I just never got. Like the ones that are clearly meant to be eaten all in one sitting with a spoon, with like the fudge cores. I mean, and that's a, how I the eat cheesecake core. I mean, that's how I do I mean, too. Don't tell me that a pint of Ben and Jerry's is four goddamn servings. That, it's in a single that, serving package. That's how I eat it as well. But yeah. I just never got behind those flavors all that much. Like the the, I've got a friend who the fudge core one's pretty good. There's a couple of fudge core ones. I've got a friend there. though who really likes that uh, cheesecake one. It's like. That's yeah. a little. So I've had I had it once and it was a lot of getting used. Like to. it's a little sickly sweetish, yeah. heavy, like. But coat then it's, your mouth. But then it's just since it's cheese, it's just got that little back note of savory. That little little back note of of, of savory. We've been over before. I'm not a huge fan of mixing my savory with my sweet all I, the time. I am know? to a certain extent. It's like why yeah. why I'm not a huge fan of the uh, like you know f- fig. Flatbreads, like chutneys and things like that know. too. Yeah, I understand. Just, just because for some reason it it doesn't. I just my it's not a food that I hate. It's not a food that I will outright refuse. It's just not one that I'll pick on the menu right. because I'll look at it and go, ah, ah, eh. I understand. Still good. Yep. Just not. Well, like we were talking about on the episode, we talking about foods that we hate. Like I'm not a big fan of. A lot of meat fruit combinations, and yet there are some that are perfect, like turkey and cranberry sauce. But mm. you know, so but there's more acid in that. That's why. So you know what I had you last have? night? What'd you had? 
So last night I went. I hung out with uh, Emma and Brian. Oh hi, Emma and Brian. And, oh, um, that's well, gonna make that made noise. Hey, even when we don't have the microphone arm for you to smack into, <laughs> you managed to beat the recording apparatus. Yep. <laughs> um, that's great. Anyway, I went over there, and Brian is a vegetarian. I just want to let them know that I'm real, Gonzo. <laughs> but Brian is a vegetarian. Yeah. So um, we had a stew. Ooh! But it it had uh, some of the Beyond meat in it. Oh, as, great! As the, as the meat as of the choice. As the meat of the choice, sure. Um, and it was pretty good. Like, I asked for leftovers. I took some leftovers. I ate that for my lunch today. Good. Um, tastes just fine. Doesn't taste like meat. But the, really. Does and the, the texture t- work? The texture is a little off, but I, I was... Uh, I had an aha moment. Well, you know, the reason that, like, this doesn't necessarily taste like meat and doesn't necessarily feel like meat... Is it because it's not meat? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that it's because... Well, think about it. A lot of people that have been vegetarians for a long time, meat's going to make them sick now, and they don't crave the texture or flavor of mm-hmm. meat. They're used to life without. What they want is they want a substitute that they can take a meat-based recipe... And now make. Sure. So, I so that, I think that's why a lot of fake meat doesn't really taste like meat, because it's not. It's just, it tastes good. The majority of vegetarians that I know, you know, and, and they are asked so many times, well, don't, do you miss any meat? You can ask that. And the answer is invariably, there's only one thing, only one meat I miss, bacon. And I, I've told, you know, and I've had this discussion before, and it's not, you know, the taste... The flavor of bacon is one thing, but bacon is an entire sensory experience. So, you know, but no, I get it. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And, I think and also a lot of them have been vegetarians so long that perhaps the specific sensation of meat and such isn't even like, in the, like hard in their memory. So I think that the majority of it, though, is just... Yeah, there's only so many recipes you're going to get if you're sticking to a truly, like, plant-only sort of thing. Right. Because there's a whole other world of recipes. I mean, shit, you eat meat-based recipes all the time, and how many times do you want wind up reusing a recipe just sure. because you know it, or because yeah. you're bored, you know, it's just... I feel like if you're limiting yourself to only a plant-based recipe scenario... You, you want something, so you just find a recipe that looks good, and, oh man, this recipe got rave reviews, but bad news, it's for meatloaf. Well, <laughs> you know, or or in the case of something not specifically meat-centric, right. a stew. Like, a this, stew, yeah. this, this stew recipe was probably a good beef stew, because it had that hearty, um, you know, big old chunks of carrot and potato in there, mm-hmm. and mushrooms, so it was... That's what I would consider to be the constituent yeah. of a beef stew. Sure, absolutely. So you find a beef stew recipe that gets great reviews, and you're like, cool, if only I could eat meat. Now, you just get the meat out, put your Beyond Meat in, and you can probably make it without tweaks to the recipe, just by virtue of the meat substitute. You know, we should try it. We should try it one show. Well, I'd be very interested to see how it works. We could pick a, a traditionally meat-based thing and just see if you can 
proportion by proportion, swap out the meat. Challenge hey, may, accepted. M- maybe there's, like, a conversion ratio, but I would figure that'd be posted on, like, the back of the box. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Or somewhere easy, where it's like, hey, you can't do a one-for-one swap out of beef tenderloin with Beyond Beef. Right. But if you use this ratio, 100% you can. So I'd be interested to see if that... If you took a recipe that wasn't intended to use meat substitute, but was meat, and just swapped in at some some ratio, if you could, without any other changes to the recipe, make something something the same. I think we should do a show at some point on 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 vegetarianism, and, and you know, not just talking about things you can eat. But I've always been very interested, and I don't, I don't want to get into it now because we're gonna watch TV, but. I've always been very interested in the people that are vehemently against vegetarianism. Like I don't get the rationale. But all right, nope. We're gonna we're gonna stop now and we're gonna watch some TV and we'll be back. He missed. He won't next time. Our blasters are useless against him. Hey, let's make the baby do the magic hand thing. Come on, baby. Do the magic hand thing. I'm out of ideas. Oh boy, it's late. It is late. Um Did you I got here late, we got started late. I rambled for a long time in the first half of the, the episode. That's okay. And then uh That was three whole episodes of the Mandalorian that I had neglected to watch what'd you think they were good they were good i i have overall enjoyed this series i Uh, don't really have a lot specifically wrong with it no not really Uh, oh and by the way shut up spoilers yeah maybe the last if we get that far the episode's been all these episodes have been out for a while oh yeah no exactly yeah um so i think and we we're safe we spoiled some earlier on, but we were doing it like a week or so after the episode aired. Right. So I think that uh, we should be well, should be a okay here. Spoilers. Vader is Luke's father. Spoilers. Um, Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I guess I know some people who only just saw the movie. <laughs> my, my wife for the first time. It. So uh, my wife let's not do it. that. Uh, um, spoilers. Darth Maul's at the end of uh, Solo. Solo. Yep. And then nothing came of it. Well, it might. Because all of the... I'm not getting into it. We've been over this no, a million times. No, you and I both agree 100%. Because yeah. there was nothing wrong with that fucking movie. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is really on you. I'm curious what you think about it. I mean, well, I mean, I could talk to you. I haven't gotten to the whole thing. Um I like that show. I like that show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna like that show yeah. no matter what, though. But I think that show for me, it was unexpected what it ended up being. I wasn't, ex- and you know, even when Favreau said it, well, it's kind of like a spaghetti western in space. It's a fucking spaghetti western in space. I, I think it's maybe a little more sukiyaki western. I think because... to, I, I agree. The second half of the series is much more sukiyaki. But I, I also I think that just in general fits with the overall Mandalorian thing. Mm-hmm. It's real easy to write a Mandalorian like you would write a samurai, yep. for instance. Absolutely. You know, especially the the uh, 
the what was it? Is it the Ronin? Were they the ones who were yeah. cast out? So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really easy to take like the premise of the Mandalorian and kind of fit it into that forty-seven Ronin archetype of the honorable. Well, I guess they weren't written. Were they? I forget yeah. the. I mean, well, the true story. But you know, something but. just pops in my head there that you say that. That is, of course. You know, go you go back and think about it. Um, considering that a lot, a lot of what uh, Lucas drew inspiration of for the first Star Wars movie was the uh, Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the old Japanese cowboy uh, sam- uh, samurai film. But you know, um, it was Hidden Fortress, not Secret Fortress, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool that it comes once again full circle, the same type of. Um, so the the story lends itself really well to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. I was sad to see Nick Nolte die. Yeah, well, I like that character. I was sad to see Richard Iowati die. I didn't really like that character, but I like him. Yeah, he's he's got a great voice. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know who and what I'm talking about, there was that droid mercenary uh, Q90. Is his full designation? Yeah, with a uh, um, with a uh, Bill Burr. But he's he, he's voiced by Richard Ayoade, who I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. Yeah. It's it's a lot of letters that go together. But uh, you may know him from the IT crowd, which is where I know him. You from. may know him from a, he he's a, been big on. Uh, I think he was part of the Mighty Boosh. Oh, was he part of yep, the Mighty Boosh? I believe yeah. so. Oh, uh, because I know that. Um, Oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my... Uh, I'll get it. Fuck it. It's, it's like right there. He was the he was the goth in uh, the IT crowd. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Real famous. Yep. Uh, uh, okay, but that's... Who played him? Because <laughs> his name here is Richmond, but who played him? Uh, Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding. Not who I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, I believe is. That's fine. That doesn't mean I know shit. No. My my my. Yeah, my, there he is. Yeah. There he be. Who was also part of the Mighty Boosh. Oh yeah, that, that was old Greg. He was old That's Greg. That's old Greg. Yes. You have a drunk Bailey's from a shoe. The card was full. That was an interesting stop. But I mean, the good news about that is that actually, no shit. As long as Jim doesn't monkey around with how it was cut in the first place, pretty much cut off at the end of a sentence, more or less at the end of a thought where we, I was done talking about Noel Fielding being on the Mighty Boosh. And we hadn't gone much farther before we realized the car no, I was just so. kind of in the middle of trying to steer back on topic from my segue into British comedians. <laughs> British comedians. Which... Is in fact a nice full circle back to Monty Python. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a, a wide circle. Yes. Yeah, it, um, it was a circle encompassing the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Bill Burr. I listen. I love Bill Burr. Um, I recognize his voice. I love the fact that he was Bill Burr. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people, uh, the 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 Twi'lek woman. I forget her name. Was also it was unremarkable of a name. Unremarkable of a name. She also played um, Nymphadora uh, Tonks. That's Nymphadora her name. Tonks. Nymphadora Tonks in Harry Potter, 
And she was also on Game of Thrones. Um, um, and then, let's see, that was, that was, I, I did kind of like the droid. He had a good yeah. snark. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm real interested in the oh, overall costume design. Yeah. Clancy oh, Brown was cool, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. I am the only one. He, um, he didn't do a whole lot of speaking, but he did some good creature makeup acting. And growling. And growling, good growling. And they all lived. They did. They all lived and they went on a prison ship and you except think they got to prison. Except for presumably Quinn. Yeah. Who got shot up by the X-Wings right there at the end. Yeah. Uh, I believe that he's dead. Um, As is the dude from Sons of Anarchy slash Batman Begins. Yeah. 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 Which... Had it coming. Oh, yeah, they had it coming. Had it coming. Uh, and the droid is dead. Yes, the droid, the droid died on dead. the ship, yes. Um, and had uh, had the Mandalorian not shot the droid, I think uh, the Yodalorian would have... Uh, the child... The foundling. The foundling. We call him the foundling now. Uh, would have hurt him. So, I mean... I'm, I'm liking a lot of the, the costumes in this. Oh, my God. And there's especially... A lot of the droid designs because I mean while IG-11 is clearly he may even be partially puppet I don't yeah, know I think he is partially um but while IG-11 is clearly if anything one of those like they used for uh the naked C-3PO yeah uh Q-9-0 was clearly the Anthony the Daniels style man in a clamshell right uh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying a lot of these armors and, and full body costumes that they're coming up with. Yeah, Favreau's talked about how practical <clears throat> effects are important to him and, and you know, and, and, you know, I think, of course, we're seeing a resurgence of that because, you know, in the end, real is real. So, you know, what's interesting is, as I was thinking about... So I was just thinking about Q90 uh, and... You love that droid. Well, I love the design yeah. of him. Uh, he was not acted by Richard. He was, was voiced, voiced by Richard. He was voiced, yeah. Um, I would presume that they probably got something of a mime actor to play the role in person. Anyway, um, I was thinking about the, the helmet, the, the head unit yeah. for the costume specifically. Um... And no, first off, I was wrong about him being an LOM in the first place because mm -hmm. the Loms are the big, bulbous-eyed, the bounty hunter droid on the uh, Star Destroyer was four Lom. Was four Lom, which is, which st which stands for love of money. But it but, was it was a, it was a C three PO a black C three PO body with that big ass uh, the, black manta from from yeah. Aquaman head almost. But yeah. the other the other one. Is the Death Star droids right? That which have the more the silver. His head was shaped more like that, but well, the Death Star Death Star droids have the big bulbous but back. The Death Star droid was the bartender. There was a the yeah, bartender there, there was, was a Death there. Star droid. Yeah, absolutely. But so it looks almost like I mean I I can't compare it to anything. It's a totally new uh, droid design that they had there. That's refreshing. Uh, obviously, they borrow. Uh, a lot of droid designs from across. Those security droids on the ship, mm -hmm. that seems totally new to me. It, I was it, not in any way, shape, or form familiar with that. So. It's kind of a throwback to the sort of uh, Confederate 
the CIS battle droids. Yep. Uh, the Bactoid battle droids. Yep. Um, so, but you know, they, they've got all new designs for a lot of things in here that are kind of throwing back to things you might know. But isn't that what but, you want, though? Yeah. Like, I do not like Leggy R2. No, that was fucking perverse. The Leggy R2 uh, uh, the the ferryman. The, the gondola ferryman. And I was glad that Gina Carano shot his head off. I'm pretty sure he was he was in on the Imperial plan, I think. Gina Carano stopped. Well, because he wasn't going to stop. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And Gina Carano. Yeah. MMA fighter, actress. Yeah. They actually let her be, let her be like awesome, but still... Like, hey, you've seen the pictures really of her in, in, this movie. In, the, in the, like, uh, Beauty and the Beast bell dress that she yeah. had going on, too. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, she seems just to be genuinely having fun, and it, it's great. I love to see that. Now, Apollo, love to see it. Now, Apollo Creed, or Carl Weathers, um, I had a, I, I had, this is obviously, like, this is the third time me watching these past couple of episodes, um, and, and I had an observation I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. So he does a lot of um, standing there with his hands on his hips. I feel like he's never acted in front of a green screen before, so he's not quite sure exactly how much he should be moving or how much he should be interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a little stiff with his hands on his. But he was he was good. I mean, I, uh, again, the the show was very well yeah. cast. Anyway, oh, I remembered where I was going. I oh, remembered good. where I was going. Good. So I was I was thinking about that uh, mask design that he had there and everything. Yes. And it made me remember, uh, I watched a feature on YouTube that was looking at, so, do you remember, did you hear of, do you remember hearing of that uh, movie Mother? It was sort of a dystopian yes. sci-fi yes. future. It, it, I never saw where, it. But... Where it's, uh, a child is raised by a, uh, by a robot. Right. Who tells the child that you can't go outside? It's horrible. There are mutants out there, and as it turns out, there aren't mutants. And you know, it's that yep. sort of Logan's running uh, plot line um, where you can't go out there. It's dangerous out there. No one can survive out there. You have to be in here. But it turns out actually you can, and whatever. But right. so I watched a feature on YouTube where so the mother robot. If you saw the trailers or anything. I vaguely remember it. That was practical. That was a man in a suit. Obstacle. Was mother. And there's a crazy amount of animatronics going on on the outside of the suit that's all controlled by a dude off screen with a like two or three RC controllers in front of him. Yeah, that's what they do. And he's just making the little things move while the actor inside is taking care of the physical motions sure. and everything and like crazy amounts of, I think the technical term is isolation. You know, like pop and lock style sure. dancing. That's isolations and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, the the robot, quote unquote, that dance move. <laughs> the robot. You know, is considered to be muscle muscle isolation. I'm actually more happy that you uh, initially used the term pop and lock. So that makes yeah. me happier. And so um, <laughs> so he he's moving like it's unsettling to watch especially when he puts the costume on yeah and like he's clamped into this thing and, and just strapped in so i don't know while i was thinking about um q90's head i also remembered the mother mask yeah and so i really like seeing 
I, I'm a huge fan of that kind of prop slash costume character design work. You know, these types of movies slash TV shows slash whatever are really where you see the 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 true potential of a production designer. You know, I mean, if you're doing production design for fucking Wuthering Heights, it's only supposed to look one specific way. You can't really be imaginative with, you know, production design for a historical fictional piece. But when you have these fantastic worlds and things like that, you have the opportunity to go out and just let your kind of your 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 art flow and then you come up with these like you say these really cool ideas and of course you know with the emphasis with star wars being on you know now i feel like star wars especially when talking about things like environments and droids and machines they're going less fantastic and trying to make you at least think there's something practical going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't have a lot of the, the... A lot of the superfluous Rob Liefeld pouches everywhere, you know? It, it, it looks like if it's got something, it does something. And I think that adds a layer of unconscious believability. It also seems to me that, you know, obviously if you're running off and well now disney's involved so they could run off entire new suits of stormtrooper armor and just hand them out to people um but i was gonna say you know in the case of uh smaller production companies Mm -hmm. like i believe mother was overall a fairly independent film yeah okay um i i'd have to double check on that for sure but you know these sort of lower budget things Unless you're running off a whole army's worth of stormtrooper armor, right? Um, I would I would figure that, and as long as you know people are being careful with their props, so you don't need to make more and more, right? Making two or three, you know, maybe one and a half completed uh, robot costumes, yeah. Like, one and a half full completed robot costumes with a couple replacement parts for the easily... For, like, probably your shins. Okay. Probably the ankle area. You know, anywhere that's going to take a beating just from a normal day's filming. I figure running running that off's probably got to actually save you money over the 3D character design, rigging, animating, compositing... Uh, you know, color matching, all that. It's got to save you money overall on that. Uh, it's got to save you time spent compositing and fuck rendering. Yeah. Especially in such an atmospheric show where you're going to have to have lights coming from all sorts of angles. You got to get the reflections looking just right mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, we're watching in, in high def now, you know? Yes, we are. Uh, it, it'd be completely different in in the early 2000s watching mm-hmm. uh, watching episode one on your, your your TV at home. Listen, man, in 2000, watching... Oh, so 2000, yeah. So like 2001, you said? You know, watching episode one on my 
like state of the art. Like my wife had bought it for me for Christmas, like thirty-two inch Trinit- Trinitron, Sony Trinitron mm-hmm. TV. You know that TV? You helped mm-hmm. carry it down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like that was state of the art. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. You know, I had to get rid of it. It was too big. But like that was great for um, PlayStation One and Two. Yeah. Like that was the perfect PlayStation so, you know, TV. So like, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. The that, quality is much you, different. Yeah. You could, you know, if if you want to look critically at the shiny skin of the uh, Royal Naboo mm-hmm. uh, spaceship there. Yeah. I there they. It's not that none of those reflections make sense. They shift and they not. slide, and they yeah. they clearly don't relate to a lot. That now, I'm not shitting on it because ILM still did a lot. Oh yeah, but it's it's just not quite there. Like it's clearly CG. There's a clearly yep. CG yep. element, and you know it when you see it. Absolutely. Um, I will say, and especially it's funny with, with like mention, character designs and, and yeah. monsters. I, I will say it's funny you should mention the, the Naboo spaceship because you're absolutely right. I feel like even by episode two, because episode two opens with the Naboo spaceship, mm-hmm. with the Naboo spaceship. I feel like that one's a little better than yeah. one. So I mean, clearly progression of technology is such for things like that work but i'm still but like glad. but like things like that though especially when you're working on the scale of movie release yeah you know you have it concepted out and you have it blocked out and you have your animators working on it. you model it you animate yeah. it it's done you don't need it this is an insert shot anyway because sure. the, the spaceship is not the main character no the spaceship there's hardly ever even dialogue when you're seeing it right. it's an insert so you have that blocked out and ready and shipped off to be rendered and you're done you you have all that extra time spent polishing but, but on yeah. a on a tv you know episode in, a, in an episodic scale you you kind of don't have as much time to do that so i do think it saves a lot of effort having you know, models built. Sure. Having physical sure. props, physical costumes. But, uh, I, so. but I don't think that's why they did it. No, I think that it's just, it's another thing people don't think about. Yeah. Is uh, that, I mean, I for one, so I... I just, I just feel like if it's tangible, you oh, yeah. don't have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Because that's a good thing, you know what I mean? Like, that. that's, you know, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I'm just, I... I feel like that's why the trend is coming back. You know, some people will say, oh, well, it's just this kind of hipster ideal. You know, oh, you know, go back to, you know, go back to analog and stuff like that. Whereas I don't agree with that. I said, I think we've seen where straight CGI gets us. And it's, if it's done well and it's a lot of money is spent, a lot of time is spent, you get something spectacular. Or, I mean. And if not, you don't. Totally go for stylized, too. I mean. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with a style, like a Clone Wars, Rebels, you know, those are clearly stylized. I love that art style. But it, with the it big works. Eye, yeah, with the, kind of the angular features and the big eyes. Like it and works the, and you, yeah. you don't need to be hyper-realistic with anything. You can right. focus on, you know, that that's sort of that kind of quick-release episodic nature sure. of that. Um, but for something like, yeah. 
Q90. He's not going to show up again. He no, he's, he's a one off. He got blown up. Yeah. He's a one off. He's not going to be there again. Mm-hmm. IG11. There was a significant amount of uh, CG on him too. Sure. But that's okay. He was in that first episode for a grand total of what ten minutes. If yeah. So they brought him back for a decent featured run now, yeah. which means, well, hey, guess what? In the long run, you didn't waste all that time modeling and rigging and animating this character and making right. it so you could puppet him around like that. You got your money's worth on You know? But for for something like uh, Q90, who's just going to be on there and off, that's a costume. Why why spend the time? It can When it'll look better... When it will feel more natural for the actors, when it'll cost you less and take less time. Yeah, I think that's an intangible that people don't think about. Is the even the best actor, the at making the best pretend, is still going to have an easier time if not only if they don't have to visualize what it looks well, like in their head, if they can interact directly. That's with why they got it. rid. Of, that's why they got rid of the tennis ball on a stick and yeah. just put. Um, I forget the Jar Jar actor's name. Ahmed Best. And they they just put him with the thing on with, his head with yep. the with the giant Jar Jar head uh-huh. on, perched on top of his head, and it's just because they acted so much better. Even when it, this ridiculous looking contrivance of a costume was in front of them, they they worked better with it, as opposed to staring at the tennis ball. Yeah, you know. So put it in. I like that. Um, I've been really focusing on like that one episode. Yeah, well, that's the um, one that you enjoyed. I enjoyed all three. We binged yeah. them. Yeah. Binged all three right now. I do. I gotta say, when when the next season comes out, I do have to get back on the train of watching it every week, once a week. Yeah. Because I like it. I like that having to watch it once a week. Yeah, you know, and I like bitch. like I enjoyed binging it too. But yeah. I feel like watching it once a week would save me from being fixated on one or two things i would take it more sure. as a whole sure um that's okay though but this is what we this is the kind of stuff i was hoping for let's see let's see so that was episode six was the one yep. with q90 yep um not much else to say about that i liked it i didn't realize so, that yoda was mostly that the, the foundling was mostly a puppet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a good looking puppet it is. I, I mean, though, that's, that takes me back to something I was starting to say about uh, the CG for characters. Yes. And, and monsters, yes. specifically. Um, so, if you've never paid attention to to these sorts of, uh, sorts of things in life, if you've never tried to make realistic 3D models and renderings, yeah. you, you might not be aware of how skin treats light. Sure. Uh, you know, you're used to the sort of idea that you see a color because the light comes in and it bounces off. Well, but the skin has subsurface scattering going on mm-hmm. where light actually penetrates a little bit and it mixes and mingles with all the other. So when you see like how translucent his ears are on the outside, well, so are yours in your ears. It's yep. pretty thin cartilage gets thinner as it comes out you can see light shining through but you miss the, that in some things like uh, CGI episode 1 Yoda his skin looked just sure opaque 
sure. kind of plasticky, which is hilarious to say about the 3D rendered, like, intangible Yoda versus the, his head is made out of foam rubber, kind of literally plastic Yoda. Sure. But, you know, your latexes and, and your silicones are shit that... You know, not not to call anyone out or anything, but there's an entire industry based on generating the most realistic human skin sensation of silicone possible. Sex yep. dolls, yep. sex toys. I was, I, mean, I was gonna say like real dolls. Yep. I mean, th- not only that, they're borrowing, they're standing on the backs of giants as far as prosthetic works. Oh, absolutely. Too. But so a huge huge industry around just you know realistic skin texture and appearance in silicone so use it in your in your your prop use it in your puppet it's gonna make it work plus uh, i can only assume he's titanium silicone that's what everything is now because it's cheap right it's durable and unlike you know, unlike the old, old monster masks and prosthetics yep. using the the foam rubber, the foam latex, yep. That that's not what you would call shelf stable. No, that breaks down, that rots, and it, it falls apart straight up. It does, especially if it gets wet. I mean, so but you know what doesn't? Titanium t- silicone. Titanium oh, silicone. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. So all right, so we're we're. we're we don't want to let this get away from us, and we're both absolutely exhausted. So what was episode eight? What happened in episode eight? Episode eight was, was episode eight was the two part. Yeah, it was what, it was episode eight and nine. Well, what, what was no? So six was the prison. Yep. Seven. What was seven? Was seven? I got to get the team back together. Yeah, seven was yeah. the I got to get the band yeah. back together, and then eight was the the end. Right. Yeah. Uh. I like that we saw the Death Troopers again. Oh, yeah. The Black Storm Troopers. I may have told you this before. Part of the reason I like the Black Storm Troopers so much is because I have a set of Black yeah, Storm no, Troopers. Yeah, I know that to be so, yeah. That I've never actually fully assembled. Um, well, now you have incentive. Except the problem is. Well, I need a new mask. The helmets are different, well, yeah. To be fair, I was going to need that anyway because I don't know what happened to my old. To the helmet that I did have. Oh, okay. So, I was going to have to reassemble it anyway. Uh, maybe I will wind up putting it together finally. That'd be cool. Especially because they're canon now, so. Yes, uh, they are. You know, for a while, you, you, you could still get into the 501st with it, but. Yep. That's because the, the Shadow Stormtroopers were in there for a while. But that takes me back around to. Uh, Moff Gideon was was that it was his name? Moff Gideon, yeah, played hey, by Giancarlo Esposito. But where his costume was straight up, it, it was one hundred percent the uh, what was it Victor Strang, who comes from the EU, and I mean the the way I'm showing Jim a picture yep. right now, but the the way the chest plate slots into just that solid. There. Yeah, the only difference with this guy is this guy's not wearing a cape. Yeah, because <laughs> he's in battle, whereas on whereas on the Mandalorian, 
And well, there's Moff Gideon there's a couple wears, wears a cape. Yeah. There's a couple differences. Like I believe Gideon still had some of the panels across the to- the chest. Yeah, piece. and Gideon didn't have pauldrons. No, like, he might under the cape. Yeah, well, possible. But yeah. he didn't. He wasn't wearing the commander's pauldron because he wasn't a commander in the right. first place. He was a moth. Um, which I don't. I can't read rank bars because they're all made up it's an assembly and, of and they get it wrong too it's like, an assembly of red and blue squares so that according, doesn't ma- matter according to to canon the only film to actually pay attention to the rank insignia off of and i only know this because i was literally looking at ranking insignia stuff today for a role-playing game is the empire strikes back because it's the only but uh Moff Gideon didn't wear his across the chest. No. If you notice, they were on the straps going up over right. from the I did see that. from the chest, which I thought was real cool. Yeah. Um but clearly, I mean the picture I'm looking at right now has has Victor Strang in front of a bunch of shadow stormtroopers, so I feel like I feel like the team over there is is doing a great job of yeah, you know, what you said, cherry picking bits and pieces of the EU well, to and toss been do- back in. And they've been doing that since, you know, I mean, they've been doing that since Disney declared the extended yeah. universe legend. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think it's been working well. We saw that Hammerhead Cruiser right there in oh, Rogue yeah. One. Oh, yeah. So. Dude, you know what? I can't complain about Grand that. Admiral Thrawn is a villain on Rebels. So, like, my world is fine. Okay. Okay. Um, I think it was a good show. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like lo- I'm looking forward to season two. So um, we're going to move on real quick to mail, uh, of which there is one. Only one? Only one. And, uh, well, it's not even from this week. And it's from last week. Um, hey, hey, Ari, you remember that time that I said, why don't you uh, remind us next week to, to answer your questions? Well... You did. You texted me today, and you said, "Hey, reminder." Actually, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what Ari <laughs> said to me. I I will tell you exactly. Ari says today, at, well, yesterday technically at ten o one a.m. Reminder that you asked for. Uh, this is the reminder that you asked for to answer the question from last week's podcast. I said thank. She said welk, and here we are. Ari, so, refresh Ari, my memory. Ari contacts us at Twitter, at Couch Grouches. She says, what up, Couch Grouches? She says, what up, Grouches? One question for you kids today. Did y'all have a favorite Christmas-specific toy slash item that made an appearance in your house during your childhood? Mine, for example, happened to be a set of wooden alphabet blocks that spelled out Merry Christmas when spelled out properly. However... It was a war between my father and I to spit out the best anagrams that we could. And while we've gone through all the feasible slash decent ones years ago, it always ends with us chuckling over the fact that somebody spelled out Merry Shit Scram. Yeah. Uh, Also, if y'all want to do a top five, hit me with your favorite characters from folklore or myths. So, favorite Christmas item? I think I mentioned this before... On another show, I think um, we had Jamie and I in our first apartment. We were poor and didn't have ornaments for our little Charlie Brown tree. Um, we topped the tree with a little stuffed vampire. So the Christmas vampire is the uh, 
It's the Christmas, the Christmas item. Vampire? He's around somewhere. He always does, pops does up he, in and around does Christmas. Does he live on that tree? He does not. Okay. Not this year, at least. So uh, Another one is, you can see him over there, is our abominable snowman. Oh, yeah, I see him. Yep. Um, he used to be on the tree for a while, too. So let's see. Uh, childhood Christmassy thingy, right? I know it's a childhood, but there's no, there's no Christmassy thing from my childhood that I particularly gave a fuck about. I just want press. So it's a that's, terrible, that's it's a see, terrible uh, child. Um, so, uh, Christmas specific toy slash item that made an appearance in my house during my childhood. Well, hmm. Let's see. We've got a couple ornaments that we've had on that tree forever. Um, it's like one that's a Santa and one that's a Mickey Mouse. They both do the same thing. They're these wooden ornaments with loose, floppy joints. Yes. It's got the, the little string. string yeah. they, they flail outwards like they're doing a backstroke or something. Absol or having a seizure. Those are fun. Like yeah. that, that was something that growing up we would put the ornaments on the tree and I would just sit there playing with this ornament. Um, along with I believe it still survives. I believe that this ornament... Actually, no. This might have died the year that uh, my stupid, now past <laughs> dog um, decided that she really wanted to fuck with the tree and it crashed over. Like, immediately after we finished putting the ornaments up. We put all the ornaments up and, and the it dog sat it there. And I believe I'd gone back upstairs and next thing I know, I hear a giant crash because the dog has knocked over the entire tree. Uh, we lost a lot of good ornaments that day, including, I believe, because I don't think we put it on the tree this year. Uh, there was this ceramic penguin. Yeah. But the ceramic penguin was a bell. So it was a uh, ceramic yeah. bell shaped like a penguin. Like a penguin. Had, had the most ear piercing high-pitched ring when you'd ring it but <laughs> that was fun um now something something a little a little off and it's not from my childhood unless you count like two three maybe four years ago to my childhood yeah so well, i did the christmas vampire because it was 20 years ago <laughs> so we came up with so that that'd be my childhood yeah. it's 20 10 I, i'd be 10 yeah, yeah sure sure uh so a couple of years bitch. ago <laughs> A couple years ago, we're out hunting for the Christmas tree with my parents and everything. Yeah. Um, and you guys at a farm, like at a, a real tree? Or yeah, we, okay. we were out at a farm. We're going to hunt. We're going to kill our own tree. Sure. As we're walking around, um, my brother found on the ground, just, you know, when you cut, you, you've cut down your own trees before sure, from so a farm, absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, you know, you cut it down mm -hmm. and then... Sometimes you got to trim a little bit more off the bottom. Yeah. And so there's a stump, just this little circular hunk of wood, right? Yes. So my brother found it and he declared that he was bringing this home. This was ours now. It was Stumblos, the Christmas stump. <laughs> okay. Um, I paid, paid for the whole tree. I want it. There, was, uh, there, there were stories made up. We were turning it into a, an authentic... Christmas tradition where Stumblos was I don't even remember I'll, I'll try and remember and, and tell you off I believe that they were not necessarily the most politically correct stories he was uh, coming up very with well. because he was just doing what apparently everyone in my family does we were stringing mouth sounds together 
<laughs> you know how I do. I do. He I does do. the same. Okay. It's just these words, I guess, I'm going to say this now. Yep. Here we go. Um, or sometimes you don't even prepare. But so... You just open your mouth and let him fall out. So he did, in fact, take it home. And he did, in fact, put it out actually pretty nearby to... Um, he actually he put it on the the tray that used to be used to leave cookies and milk out. <laughs> so there's just a stump um, there. And it it it, it, uh, it lives in the house year round. Uh, it's it's perfectly dried out now, so there's no weird sap going right. on. So it just it lives on a little end table with a lamp over in the corner of the living room. That's just it has been there. Since he brought it home. And it's Stumblos, the Christmas stump. Uh, I'll, I'll take a picture next time I'm at home. I'm very interested uh, I'll show in seeing you. it. Don't get your, don't, don't get your uh, expectations too high. It's, it's literally just a it, it's, it's a chunk of wood. <laughs> okay. But the fact that he brought it home and it is still a, a Christmas tradition to have Stumblos. Uh, yeah. So moving off of... Moving away from Krimis, do you have a top five favorite characters from folklore or myths? Folklore or myths. Okay. So you're going to notice a theme here. I like a Nazi. Okay. I like Bear Rabbit. Uh-huh. I like Coyote. I think I see where we're going here. I like the, the sort of trickster, but the folk hero trickster. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to just straight up and down Loki. Right. And some some of those other straight up and down mm-hmm. trickster gods who, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Yep. I've, I've got plenty of people I know that yep. have claimed Loki as a patron of theirs and have put in time and effort into understanding and working with the idea of. So I'm not going to get into that. That's beyond the scope of this question. You got one more one more mythical figure. Wait, did I really do four? I did yeah. Nancy, Coyote. Bear Rabbit. Bear Rabbit. There was only three. I thought you did one it? more. Nah, uh, maybe I did. I don't know. Go ahead. You got two more? Go ahead. Two more. Two more from uh, mythology. Uh, let's see here. Now, now it does get tricky, but to be fair, those first three that I listed are all essentially the same. Yeah. Um, uh, shit. Uh, favorite characters from folklore or myth? So this isn't like uh, religious icons. It doesn't have this to be. A, yeah. You know, I always thought Sleepnir got a bad rap. Dude, Sleepnir is a giant goat. He's dope. Ah, isn't he the the? He's the six hoofed horse, right? Oh, he's a horse. I always think Sleepnir is the one that Odin rides. Yeah, who's Thor who's rides the goat. Loki turned into a mare and got pregnant. Right. Um, from the horse of that giant who is. Helping to build the wall around Asgard, yeah. so that they they would win the bet. And right. uh, I, I think it was, was it Sif that was going to be married off. Oh, I'm sure. I do that. I do like every fifth myth is someone coming to court Sif. So probably. So I I think it may have been that, and and so he got pregnant with uh, with Sleipnir, mm-hmm. and then Odin's like. No mine. I'm gonna ride your, I'm gonna ride your son now. Bye. Uh, so I, I think he he got he gets bad rap. Um, 
Oh, you got one more. I got w- one more. Um, well, Thor's got two goats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's cool. Is it? Uh, oh man. Was is is Frecky one of them? It's Tangrisner and Tangnostner. Who the fuck is Frecky? So the teeth bearer and teeth grinder. Come on, um, one more, one more myth figure. You can do it. Um, oh, those, those are. T- that's one of Odin's two wolves. He's got Gary and Frecky. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> it's spelled G E R I. That sounds. Like so those are his t- his two wolves, not to be confused with his ravens. Yeah. Speaking of ravens, how about we talk about Matthew? Matthew the Raven. Matthew the Raven. He's a good character from myth and folklore, Fair since enough. I consider uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman to have entered the status of Absolutely. myth and folklore. Absolutely. Um, for mine, I'll go with different stages in my life. When I was a little kid, I loved Greek myths. Loved it. Loved them, rather. And my favorite character was Hermes. Because not just because Hermes was fleet of foot and he was kind of a trickster and he was kind of... He was good. And he also had a really cool job besides doing all the other stuff that he did. He led people to the underworld and like gave them comfort as they died. It's like, wow, the, the messenger, the herald of the gods and the, the god of thieves is here to... Take me to the underworld. It's just, I always thought it was a cool concept. And he's a lot of fun, too. Um, I also liked, for Greek gods, and this is probably my other two, is uh, Hephaestus, mm-hmm. uh, in Roman, known as Vulcan. Uh, it was the, 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 the smith of the gods. I was like, he, he was, you know, it, it was kind of a weird, um, a weird um, story. You know, he was the ugliest of the gods. But he was like the most noble-hearted. Mm-hmm. So Zeus gave him Aphrodite as as his wife, and you know he thought that, you know, she was like, oh, he's so ugly, and the oh, but he has such a good heart. I love him. Yeah, it's just so the Greeks were weird. Um, other mythological figures, big fan of um, Beowulf. That's folklore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's 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 more of a story as opposed to, but yeah, it's folklore. Um, Beowulf is just kind of like the uh, the proto English myth, you know. It's it's very cool. Um, what else? Do, who else do I like? Um, There's apparently actually a lot of deities that were referred to as Hermes at different times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. No, I like the classic. J. Well, well, J. Garrick flash helmet. Well, the thing is, they all get <laughs> conflated into right. one thing, like. I mean, I could go on about how Diana is the moon, Inanna is the moon, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and Inanna is Ishtar, and Ishtar is Aostra, is Easter. So th- those are all moon, fertility, harvest. Occasionally you get a little more, uh, like, hunter in there. Like, you start to skew Artemis, but you, you always kind of follow around that, archetype for the moon i think another one i like for uh folklore is um mordred hmm 
Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the in the more extended Arthurian tales, when he isn't just a villain, he's a fascinating character. Um, and finally, I will go with um, Merlin slash Gandalf slash Obi Wan Kenobi. Just the just the Campbellian sage paradigm. Yeah, but doesn't Merlin get all sorts of fucked up later on? He does. In, in later uh, does. later Arthurian? Yeah, and fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't get his head fucking cut off? He doesn't get his head cut off. Sure he does. He, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't fall off because he disappears, but... He takes that swing more chest level than no, head take level. No, a, take a look. It's neck level. I don't know. It's um, neck level. I will take a look. It's neck level. Um... Yeah, so that's what I like. Um, if you have a no, 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 that is shoulder level. Okay, I'll you, buy you it. I'll see, buy it. You can see the base of his hood right there. That's shoulder level. I'll buy it. I'll allow it. It's it's still a little bit higher than people like to remember. <laughs> right. But it's yeah. so if you've got um, if you've got questions for us or you want to get in touch with us. You can contact us at uh, couchcrouches at gmail.com. On social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're at couchcrouches. And Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash couchcrouches. Gonzo's Black Magic Corner. Any demons this week? I'll have to let you know. I did did a bit of spooky-ooky a little bit, but I'll have to let you know. Okay, Um, let us know how that went. I just remembered I have a fucking meeting tomorrow in 12 hours. Yeah, I've got a bunch too, so we gotta get out of here. <laughs> so, uh, for. So it's a late episode this it is. week. For Couch Grouches, this is Jim. I'm not Joe, I'm Gonzo. Well, fuck, fuck on, on, audience. I'll just get my non sequitur out of the way right now. Well, this is when you're usually supposed to do it. No. Do you know? Do you know? Out of all the inventions of the past hundred years, I think the dry erase board is probably the most remarkable. Oh, no. Good night, everybody. (sighs) I like that. It's a good dad joke. I'll add it to my repertoire.